Christian Parent Crazy World with Catherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you raise godly kids in an ungodly world. I'm your host, Katherine Seegers, and today's episode tackles this vital question. What worldviews are competing for your kid's faith? So, this episode is really a continuation of the last episode where I gave five reasons why it is imperative, it's vital that we teach our kids other worldviews. If you missed that, you should definitely go back and check it out, either before or after listening to this episode. It's, it's not a prerequisite, but these two episodes go hand in hand. So today we are going to get a little bit brainy. We're going to put our thinking caps on and we're going to define some big terms, but we are also going to have a lot of fun with this topic. I promise. I know that you and your kids are going to need to understand these terms in order to understand where the Christian worldview agrees with and differs from other worldviews. Just to let you know, this podcast is probably going to go a little bit longer than my other ones because this is a meaty topic. So when it comes to a worldview, the critical question we need to ask ourselves is which worldview best represents and explains reality. That's it. That is what we are trying to help our kids discover. We don't want our kids to believe the Christian faith because we told them to. We want them to believe it because they have investigated these other worldviews themselves, and they have determined that it is the best explanation of reality. When you and your kids actively examine the worldviews that are out there and you come to the conclusion that the Christian worldview best represents and explains reality, it's very hard to sway someone from that opinion because those beliefs have been tested and found to be sound and logical, coherent, cohesive, and convincing. They have been found to be true. And when you combine that with an authentic personal experience with God, like I talked about in episodes two and three, your kids are going to have a really solid faith. So with that in mind, I want to go over some of the primary worldviews in existence today. And we're going to ask ourselves how we see these worldviews influencing our society and our culture. This is going to be a bit of a flyover because there's so much information here. We're not going to dig too deeply into each one of these, but it's important that we start defining these terms. I'm going to use a a couple of different sources here, and we will link to them in the notes section. And by the way, there's a limited amount of space in that notes section on Life Audio, and some of my podcasts have a lot of links. So sometimes we have to be selective there, but I always put a full list of my links on my website at katherineseegers.com for each episode. So you can always find links to my sources there as well. So this first source I really like for a broad overview. It's from Zenos Christian Fellowship. This is a church out of Columbus, Ohio, that is very committed to helping equip and educate 
believers. This site, (laughs) it's so cool. They actually have a comparison chart that you can print out on five of the primary worldviews. Wish wish I had thought of that. It's awesome. You can print this out. You can put it on your fridge. And if your kids are, are middle school and up, start some conversations. If they're younger, just use it for yourself for right now or either really try to simplify it. But take this slow and you, I would recommend just spending a few weeks on each one of these in your conversations with your kids. The first worldview we're going to go over is naturalism. I'm going to spend most of our time on this worldview because it is so pervasive in society today. Naturalism houses the belief systems of atheism, agnosticism, and existentialism. And I added one to the chart here for myself. I added scientism. I'll talk about that one in a sec. But in brief, atheism believes that there is no God. Agnosticism essentially says, I don't know if there is a God. And existentialism is the natural outcome of either of those beliefs. Existentialism says, uh, life has no purpose and the world makes no sense. So essentially, existentialism is a depressed teenager who doesn't want to do his chores. Make sense? I love talking to my kids about existentialism because just using that word boosts the perception of your IQ like like 20 points at least, right there. So teach it to your kids and they will sound really brainy. And then you too, like me, can have a kid who suffers from existential angst. And you can visualize the air quotes there while they are unloading the dishwasher. And you can explain to them that there is, in fact meaning and purpose in loading and unloading the dishwasher. And when they have to start hand washing everything in the sink, they will know what that meaning is. Mm-hmm. That was that was just a little existential joke there. <clears throat> and then the one I added is scientism. Now, some think of scientism as being a pejorative or derogatory term. I don't mean it as such. Honestly, I don't. Uh, But Ian Hutchinson, who is an MIT physicist, offers a really great definition of scientism. This is how he defines it. Science, modeled on the natural sciences, is the only source of real knowledge. I think that is a a perfect definition. And I think we see a lot of that type of thinking in society today, despite the fact that according to Pew Research, 90% of Americans believe in God. Many people still believe that the only source of real knowledge or truth is science. So I want to go over a couple of highlights for the naturalistic worldview And these are on the chart, Uh, so I, I really encourage you to print that out. A naturalistic worldview believes that the material universe is all that exists. Reality is one dimensional. There's no such thing as a soul or a spirit. Everything can be explained on the basis of natural law. Also, this worldview proposes that man is the chance product of a biological process of evolution. Man is entirely material. There's no spiritual in this worldview. 
Also, and according to the naturalistic worldview, truth is usually understood as scientific proof. Only that which can be observed with the five senses is accepted as real or true. That is why I added scientism to my chart. And finally, it also says that there is no, there are no objective values or morals. Morals are individual preferences or socially useful behaviors. Even social morals are subject to evolution and change. Boy, do we see that in our society today. There has been a lot of change in social mores in the recent decades and and years and gosh, even months. There have been so much change in that that area of our society. So I'm not going to go this deeply on every worldview, but I want to break this one down just a little bit more because I think it is so pervasive. Where do we see naturalism today? Pretty much everywhere. We live in a society that has multiple truths. Truth is subjective. You have your truth and I have my truth. And that is fine unless your truth and my truth disagree. Then we're going to have some words, okay? By the way, I'm going to do a whole episode on truth pretty soon. So be looking for that. And certainly we see the celebration of science as the end-all and be-all of the naturalistic worldview. It is the only source of truth to many in our society. And I want to give a little history lesson here. This has been the case since the Enlightenment, really. This, this idea that science is the only universal source of truth and knowledge. Now, the Enlightenment was a period of time that came right after the Renaissance. We're talking like 1700s, and the Renaissance was prior to that. And there was this explosion, of course, in the Renaissance of creativity in the world coming out of the Dark Ages, because everybody had been like sleeping for a long time, creatively speaking. So it was common in the Enlightenment or prior to the Enlightenment, to think that there was a universal spiritual truth or or moral truth or ethical, religious, and philosophical truth. That was common in the Renaissance period. But with the birth of science as a formal discipline in the 18th century in Europe, science became the primary source of truth in our culture. It trumps all other sources of truth, which cannot be proven with the five senses. This is a primary tenet of the naturalist world view. But the great irony here, and this is so rich, is that the formal discipline of science was born in Christian Europe, in Christian colleges and Christian universities where these guys gathered to study. Many of these religious men realized that a god of order who created a moral law may have created the universe with a physical law. And perhaps, I don't know, maybe maybe we could discover those physical laws. So for the very first time in human history, they started looking for those physical laws. Think about it. Prior to that time, people thought if there was a drought or a fire or you weren't fertile or your livestock got sick and died, that the gods were mad at you. So why would you bother to find a physical reason for why those things were happening? They didn't think there was a physical reason, so they didn't look for one. It was only 
when these guys at these Christian universities got together, these guys who believed, many of them, not all of them, but many of them believed that there is a God of order who created the universe and he gave us moral law. And hey, hey, wait a second here. Maybe he created the universe with some physical laws. Eureka, what an idea. And that is how we got the formal discipline of science. And that is the end of my history lesson, except to give this this little summary here. Belief in God birthed the formal discipline of science. And now science is the only source of knowledge and truth to so many. And many who adhere to this worldview claim that God doesn't exist because he can't be proven scientifically. Is that rich or what? Talk about biting the hand that feeds you and and birthed you. But that is where we are. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. So this naturalistic worldview is very prevalent in society today. I would say that it is ubiquitous, and that just means that it's everywhere. I once saw Katie Couric do an interview where she used the word ubiquitous like 50 times, and I think she was trying to boost the perception of her IQ. So anyways, teach that one to your kids too. We certainly see a lot of people who believe that we are purely physical beings, and even people who do believe in the spiritual world, who who may classify themselves as having a theistic worldview and believe in God, may really operate very similarly to this naturalistic worldview when it comes to issues involving ethics or morals and certainly the topic of truth. We'll talk about that more in a bit. So let's go on to the second worldview, and I won't spend as much time on each one of these, but the second one is pantheism. Let's highlight some of the the things on the chart about pantheism. We're talking about religions like Hinduism, Taoism, Buddhism, New Age consciousness when we're talking about pantheism. 
This worldview believes that only the spiritual exists. So it is diametrically opposed to naturalism where only the physical exists. Little side note here, the enemy loves to get us on some extremes. Only the physical exists. Only the spiritual exists. Now, scripture teaches us that we are created in the image of God, which is mind, body, and spirit. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we're created in His image. So naturally, the enemy would want us to to be on an extreme that did not acknowledge all of who God is and all of who we are as His children. So pantheism believes in a spiritual reality or a higher power, and that higher power is eternal, but it's also impersonal and unknowable. It's like a force. Really, the the force in Star Wars is a pantheistic concept. Now, I love Star Wars, so do my kids, but it's important that we know what that is and you have a conversation about it. I think that's a great conversation to have with your kids. This is important because according to pantheism, man's belief that he is an individual is an illusion. You may have heard of a term called collective salvation. That's talking about the collective, not the individual. Some spiritualists and even some politicians, very, very famous politicians who may have, I I don't know, may have led the free world, have talked about collective salvation, On some level, this is a a pantheistic concept as well because it, it denies the rights and needs or even the existence of the individual, which the U.S. was founded on, those concepts, by the way. But this worldview also believes that truth, this is on the chart, quote, truth is an expression of unity with oneness of the universe. Truth is beyond all rational description. So, so in other words, truth is this murky, nebulous concept. Uh, go back to the chart. It says many pantheistic thinkers believe that there is no real distinction between good and evil. Instead, there is enlightened and unenlightened behavior. <laughs> now, if your if your house is anything like mine, there's a lot of unenlightened behavior going on at times. But I do believe, and I do teach my kids to believe that there is good and evil in the world as well. Where do we see pantheism today? Well, it's mostly it's mostly in far eastern religions, but we are increasingly becoming a borderless international society. So we see it more and more in the West, and of course we see it in our culture and in entertainment like in Star Wars. So which of these first two worldviews better represents reality? That is the question we always need to ask. Well, If you believe that reality is all physical, go with naturalism. If you believe that reality is all spiritual, then go with pantheism. But if you believe that reality is physical and spiritual, you got to keep looking. And you might arrive at our third world view. Worldview number three is theism or monotheism. That is a belief in God or a belief in one God. You should be familiar with this one. Christianity is a theistic worldview. So is Judaism and Islam. Those are the primary theistic worldviews. There are some more out there, but those are the biggies. Now, the theistic worldview believes in an infinite personal God. 
who created a finite material world. Reality is both material and spiritual. So theism is right in between naturalism and pantheism. We believe in the spiritual and the physical. The theistic worldview believes that human beings are created by God in his image. That means we are personal, we are eternal, we are spiritual, and we are biological. In this worldview, truth about God is known through revelation. For the Christian faith, that is the Bible. That revelation comes in the Bible. For the Jewish faith, it is the Old Testament. For Muslims, it is the Quran. Truth about the physical world is also known by revelation through discovery, through the the five main senses, and used in conjunction with our rational thought. So you can see how the belief in God and in the spiritual and a creator in conjunction with a belief in the physical, what the creator actually created, led individuals with a theistic worldview to seek revelation in the physical world around them, thus birthing the formal discipline of science, (laughs) a discipline that now denies the existence of the spiritual, or at least the existence of any universal truth in the spiritual. Irony! Sorry, 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 sometimes I just break out into song. My kids are used to it. So... The theistic worldview combines what we can know through revelation from God and what we can know through revelation by what we personally research and experience in the natural world. It's important to point out, though, in this worldview, God revelation trumps man revelation because he is infinite and omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent, and we are not. Sorry to break that to you, but we aren't. Finally, this worldview believes that moral values are the objective expression of an absolute moral being. That's kind of a mouthful. But in other words, truth is universal because it comes from the God who created us. And that means it applies to everyone. There's no such thing as your truth and my truth because there is an author of truth. And we can agree with him or not agree with him, but if there is an author of truth, it would be in our best interests to agree with him. It also means that there is a universal moral or ethical standard. I think we're pretty familiar with this worldview, so we're, we're going to keep on moving. Number four. Spiritism and polytheism as worldviews. They believe that there are multiple gods. There are thousands of religions like this. Historically speaking, think of the, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, who each had a specific god for every aspect of life, fertility, crops, weather, war. Modern examples of polytheistic faiths are Taoism, Japanese Shinto, uh, traditional African religions. Now, this worldview believes that, and look, I'm looking at the chart again, the world is populated by spiritual beings who govern what goes on. Gods and demons are the real source behind natural events. Now, as I keep reiterating, the formal discipline of science was birthed out of a theistic worldview. Well, in the polytheistic worldview, there is no reason to investigate the physical world for a root cause 
of some event, if the root cause is just some God who is mad at you. This worldview does not lead one to question about the natural world. A theistic worldview does. And I think we can agree that no matter what your worldview is, that questioning the natural world has led to brilliant discoveries medically, technologically, uh, scientifically, that have benefited all of humanity. So spiritism and polytheism believe that man is created by gods, like the theistic worldview, but truth about the natural world is discovered through a shaman figure who who has visions telling him what the gods and demons are doing and, and how they feel. This is really interesting. When it, when it comes to morals, spiritists and, and polytheists believe that moral values take on the form of taboos, which are things that, that irritate or anger various spirits. So, so if your crops fail or you ain't getting pregnant, you, you made the gods mad or a specific god mad. These taboos are, are different from the idea of good and evil because it, it's just as important to avoid irritating evil spirits as it is good ones. You know, this, this worldview really makes sense from a human standpoint because we are spiritual beings. So why not think that what happens here on earth is a direct result of how the gods and the spirit world think of us? Of course, that is a burden we aren't intended to carry according to the Christian worldview. But it makes sense that that naturalists, our first worldview we talked about, would, would want to reject every notion of the spirit world in order to get out from underneath that burden. Doesn't that make sense? I think it does. So naturalism is a rejection of theism and polytheism. Finally, let's go on to our last worldview on the chart. We have post modernism. This worldview doesn't have any classifications under it like the other ones do in terms of religions. It's it's a category unto itself. Aside from naturalism, postmodernism, I think, is the most common worldview we see in the West today. Really, there is a lot of overlap between naturalism, our first worldview, and postmodernism. Many people adhere to both of those worldviews simultaneously, and I think you're going to see these similarities pretty clearly. Postmodernism says that reality must be interpreted through our language and our cultural paradigm. Therefore, reality is socially constructed. It's not the same for everyone. It varies from culture to culture and from time to time. This worldview believes that humans are a product of their social setting. The idea that humans are autonomous and free is a myth. We are, are victims of our surroundings, in other words, and I think we see a lot of that in society today. This is really important uh, about the postmodern worldview. When it comes to truth, postmodernists believe that truths are mental constructs meaningful to individuals within a particular cultural paradigm. They do not apply to other paradigms. Truth is relative to one's culture. <laughs> Have you ever heard that before? I think we hear it all the time. And finally, values in the postmodern worldview. 
values are a part of a social paradigm as well. Tolerance, freedom of expression, inclusion, and refusal to claim to have the answers are the only universal values. I'm taking that from the chart, so be sure to print that out. Now, obviously, the postmodern worldview is pervasive in our our world today. It is ubiquitous, as Katie Couric would like to say. However, postmodernism is one of those modern constructs that, that, that contradicts itself. There are no objective truths or moral standards, according to postmodernism, but cross the generally established cultural mores or socially accepted standards, and postmodernism will cut you. It will cancel you like a bad habit. Um, Very briefly, I want to visit one other source. This one won't take long. It's from Ligonier Ministries, which is a ministry of of Dr. R.C. Sproul, who is a renowned theologian. This website has a wonderful article on worldviews that I'm going to link to in the the notes section. They identified two more that I think are very, very important. The first one is pluralism. That is a worldview that says different world religions represent equally valid perspectives on the ultimate reality. And there are many valid paths to salvation. Now, of course, if you if you break that one down, it kind of falls apart pretty quickly because we know that different religions make different claims about how you're saved and what is true. So they contradict one another. So they can't all be true. So pluralism is a really difficult worldview, I think, personally, to buy into logically. And finally, finally, the last worldview I wanted to talk about today is moralistic therapeutic deism. I know that's a mouthful. I hadn't seen this one anywhere else, but I love this description. Listen to this. This worldview says that God just wants us to be happy and nice to other people, and he intervenes in our affairs only when we call on him to help us out. I see so much of this in our culture today, in our church today, this this hallmark, God just wants me to be happy theology. Does God want me to be happy? Absolutely. He's a good father. Every good father wants his kids to be happy. My husband and I love it when our kids are happy. We go out of our way to make that happen. But we also make them eat vegetables and write research papers and study chemistry and algebra and do chores and go to the doctor and live by a certain set of rules we have in our house. And some of these things do not make our kids happy. (laughs) In fact, they produce some temporary angst. But that angst is not existential. I get bonus points for using that word because it has a purpose of growing and maturing our kids into competent, caring, productive, and hopefully Christ-like citizens. So those rules and standards do not always make my kids happy, but they make them healthy. And as a parent, that is my top priority, the health of my kids. That is God's top priority as well. God does want us to be happy, But he knows we can't be happy if we aren't healthy. And we can't be healthy if we aren't holy. Oh, I said it. I said it right there. The H word, holy. I know. I know. That is one of those words that our culture hates. Holy. We don't want anyone else to tell us how to live. We want to define our good and bad choices ourselves. We want to invent our own standard. We want to be our own authority. And that is perfectly fine. It's a perfectly fine perspective to have. It is the right 
perspective. In fact, if there is no God, but if there is a God, if the Christian God and the Christian faith best explains reality, if it best explains human history and human nature and what we are discovering in the cosmos and in the human cell, then that worldview will ultimately fail us. The question again is which worldview best represents reality? I hope this broad overview of worldviews has helped you. I tell you, studying it has certainly helped me understand why I am a Christian theist, why I believe in the God of the Bible, and why I think it is the best representation of reality. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast where we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would would you consider telling a friend and, and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review? And I don't know, maybe, oh, maybe you could rent an airplane with a Christian Parent Crazy World sign trailing behind it and you could fly it around your neighborhood or, or some large sporting events in your area. Just, just a thought. And be sure to check out my website, which is katherineseegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. To hear more from Katherine Seegers, visit her site, katherineseegers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a minute and leave us a rating and review in your podcast app? It really does help us connect to more listeners like you. A special thanks to Kelly Gibbons, Stephen Sanders, and Stephen McGarvey for their production and editing on this episode. You can find more podcasts like this over at lifeaudio.com. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.